Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. Ty Hildenbrand here. Dan Rubenstein right on over there. Hello, Dan. Hey, Ty. Uh, are you still deathly ill? I am a little bit under the weather. Flu-like symptoms day-to-day is my official status. You know what? Tonight, tonight ahead of conference championship week is your Michael Jordan flu game. That's right. Tonight, that is this is you coming through. If you make it to the end of this episode, if we are able to pair the correct teams against each other when previewing each game, we get the, the spreads correct. We talk about news that actually happened. That's your Jordan game. All right. Well, I'm fine with that. I was a big fan of Michael Jordan in the flu game back in the day. Of course you were. Notre Dame, the Yankees, Michael Jordan. It's all coming together. I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Okay, fair enough. Solidverbal at gmail.com. That's still the email address. 408-VERBAL-1, 408-837-2251. That's the reverb line if you'd like to call in while you're watching some of the conference championship games this weekend. If you've got something to say, do call us again. It's 408-VERBAL-1. We're also on Facebook, on FanCred, of course, on the Twitter. Um, I don't think I missed anything, Dan. What is new in your world? What's going on in the Big Apple? Not too much. It's getting a little bit cold. Yeah. Uh, the the city is collectively very depressed. They, everybody was thinking Rutgers was going to be playing in Indianapolis this weekend. Well, you got Fordham, though. Fordham's going we up have to New Fordham, Hampshire. The one true team. I know. And it was it was more of a hype thing with Rutgers. Everybody going into the season figured they sort of made their plans this weekend around Indianapolis travel. And it's nice that everybody has slowly and enthusiastically adopted the Rams, the one true team of New York. But... It, it has thrown a wrench in things. Life doesn't go according to plan. And we're going to yeah. talk about that Fordham game here at the yeah. very end. Fordham, a nine and a half point underdog as they go to the dungeon in Durham, New Hampshire. I have I have an idea about where you're going to start. Oh, drive for six completed. I was thinking about it, but no, Illinois. I got two housekeeping things very quickly. Mm. First and foremost, the verbies. Mm. nominations now underway at solidverbal.com yes slash verbies those requests are coming in fast and furious to mama hildenbrandt's email inbox so if you are ever so inclined do head on out to solidverbal.com slash verbies and place your candidate votes your suggested category votes yeah we will uh, come back at you in a few more weeks when it actually is time to vote on who's going to be the verbies winners secondly you posted a tease. Actually, it's not much of a tease. You right. posted a new Solid Verbal 2014 T-shirt out on our yeah. Facebook page at facebook.com slash Solid Verbal. We do have a shirt giveaway that uh, you thought up. I think it's a great idea. Yes. Can you elaborate on that idea for the Find Verballers? Yeah, we put out a new logo in August before the season started just because we like to refresh every so often. And it's taken me a little bit too long, but we've got a new shirt. All proceeds go to Ty. I don't I, that's all I know about where the proceeds go. Um, and no, it's it's a new fun shirt. It's a real soft American apparel shirt. And the contest we're doing through December uh, is if you send out a particularly good tweet or preferably Facebook message promoting the show with a link. So you, you find some sort of creative way to say, Hey, listen to the solid verbal. It's a really good college football show. And it adds to my excitement of the sport, something like that in a fun, creative way. And you're the best one that does that that week. 
through the month of December of this year, then you will win a shirt in your selected size. Plain and simple, right? Yeah, real simple. We want to outfit you. We want to make you look good for your family over the holidays. So where to Christmas? It's uh, or Hanukkah. Yeah. Whatever it is that you celebrate or don't celebrate. Hopefully you're with friends and loved ones at the end of the month where then impress everybody. All right. Well, on that note, we've got some uh, breaking news. Breaking news, Daniel. Oh, you really hit it there. I like that. Where's your robot sound or your news ticker sound? (laughs) This just in. Brady Hoke has been fired. Yeah, he's gone. At Michigan, this should come as no great surprise. Dave Brandon was the first domino to fall. Now Brady Hoke is the next. It would appear as if Michigan's got their work cut out for them. You sent out a controversial tweet. (laughs) Okay. Among many others, but one in particular about Michigan not being as good a job as Michigan people think it is. I don't even think I was met with that much resistance. There was some resistance. Yeah, not a, not a ton. Where would you rank this job, Dan? Is it a top 20 job? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, a, it's just a second tier job, whereas I think Michigan people, Michigan brass decision makers feel like it is in line with the top jobs right now. And as as is the case with everything in college football, this changes. Michigan can become another top tier job. It fluctuates. But as it stands right now, because of the recruiting base, because of the national championship expectations with things in place in the administration, with recruiting, with recent developments, with the conference itself, it is just not. It is just not a desirable place. It is a cold town, albeit a very fun college town, a well-regarded college town. But in terms of where it ranks in the, the current 2014-2015 college football landscape, I feel like it is in a tier below USC, Texas, SEC schools, perhaps Stanford at this point with what with how everything has come together there. I don't know at this point if Stanford is right there, but I it's it's close. And just with the resources involved in Michigan has a ton of resources, but the climate has changed, whereas Michigan had certain advantages like exposure that a number of other teams also have. So it's Michigan certainly isn't an also ran. It's right there. It just has come down. I disagree to some extent. I think tradition counts a little bit more than you might figure in with your calculations. Well, how long ago, how, how long has it been since Michigan been tradition has been on full display nationally? No, it's been a while, but this is yeah. still the winningest program in the history of college football. And I think that stands for something. It should stand for something. What year do you think the class of 2015 recruits were born? I don't care. I think it should <laughs> okay. stand. I'm not talking about recruits. They've still recruited fairly well. Now, yeah. the, the results haven't been there on the field, but right. I still think if you're a coach, if you're trying to build your legacy, Doing so at the winningest program in the history of college football isn't a bad place to go. Secondly, I do take a little bit of issue and I Mm -hmm. see where you're coming from with this. Right. The cold weather thing is way oversold. You think so? I think so. Where are the the best recruits in the country? Because it does come down to recruiting. It comes down to recruiting. I'm not hiring. They're not hiring Greg Madison, who's done a great job with that defense, even though he is a good recruiter. They're not hiring a 70 year old. To coach this team. They're not hiring a 70 year old. They want no. an energetic person with experience, probably recruiting nationally. There I is, would imagine there is no doubt that the hotbeds for recruiting in this nation are right. in the in warmer. Warm. Yeah. Climates. California, Texas, there, Florida. There's no yeah. doubt about that. 
not all of them are there. Correct. And not all of them are opposed to going to a colder weather place. Now, true. Every year you hear about recruits saying, I don't want to go there. It's cold. Can't right. say I blame them. Right. Um, you yourself went to two cold weather cities for college and then for work. So, this is true. you know, I, I just feel like it's a bit oversold. Didn't snow in Eugene. Did not snow in Eugene. Still not no. Southern California, though. No, it's not. It's definitely not. So I don't know. I mean, depending on the coach, I just don't think it's as big a deal as some might make it out to be. Those are the only two points I disagree on. I still think Michigan's a good job. It's definitely a top 20 job, probably somewhere in the 10 to 15 range. Sure, definitely. You know, it's, it's I, I think we agree. It's a good job. Uh, we will see which direction they go. Everyone wants to believe that they're going to get Harbaugh. I don't think they're going to no, get Harbaugh. No, they, he's definitely not. That's not happening. They're not going to get Jim Harbaugh. So we'll see. Um, in other coaching news, not to belabor the Michigan point, Nebraska seemed to be locked in on Brett Bielema. Brett Bielema has since come out and said he's what is he, he's all hog. He uh, he's all hog. And we should there should be a disclaimer. Uh, because I've already shot two videos about the coaching carousel situation for SB Nation. Anything we say, first of all, there's probably a 37% chance it's true because these rumors are insane around this time. Yeah. Also, even if rumors are true, even if news does happen that we're reporting on or we're just uh, discussing, it could change in an hour when we're done recording this show. Two milliseconds. This is not a live show as much as we'd like to constantly be in your ears at the time um, in, in the present. It is not. So we're about to say wrong things. That's the disclaimer. Brett Bielema is uh, yeah. all hog, apparently. Yeah. And good for him because he's turned that program around pretty quickly and he appears to be building something quite impressively with a, a very specific system and direction. Uh, they're looking more and more balanced offensively and defensively. Yeah. They finished the season strong. Glad to see a turnaround with momentum. Hopefully continue. Hugh freeze will not be going to Florida. That's because he signed no. a four year, $4 million per year extension with Ole Miss that has since mm -hmm. now turned the focus to Jim McElwain from yep. Colorado State, yep. who is reportedly in discussions with Jeremy Foley. He's Florida's mm -hmm. athletic director. Yep. Talks are going well. And unlike many other coaching searches of the past, Jeremy Foley has been pretty out in the open about this, which is, are you surprised by that? Cause I, I'm just not used to it. I don't know how to feel. Yeah. And if you remember, I guess it was four years ago. Now the Will Muschamp hire was sort of out of nowhere that Jeremy Foley is one of, if not the best regarded athletic directors at a major football institution at this point. And Will Muschamp came out of nowhere. Of course he was the coach in waiting at Texas. And now he, you know, the, the official Florida football Twitter account is talking about his time in Fort Collins. And here's the picture of the, the cockpit on the flight back from Fort Collins to Gainesville or wherever in Florida. And he was like, Oh, it was great meeting with the wife. It was, it was just like a very, yeah. Hey, he's our guy kind of tweet. And I don't know if there's something strategic behind that. There most certainly could be. Um, but by all reports, and we've known this for a while, Jim McElwain has a hefty, hefty buyout, seven million, seven and a half million dollars. Jim McElwain, Oof. of course, came to Fort Collins in Colorado state from Alabama as their offensive coordinator under Nick Saban. And now and this is a Colorado state program, by the way, that has had financial troubles. They like, they mortgaged a lot on a new stadium. I'm going to get some of these facts wrong, but they are, they have invested a lot in football and they're not positive about their returns. So a seven and a half million dollar buyout, if that is whatever the number that they agree on at the end of this, if that's the case, that's not an insignificant 
uh, donation or amount of money f- funneled into that program. Jim McElwain could be the guy at Florida. We'll wait. And I, see. Do you mind that? Do you, what do you, are your thoughts? It's not a sexy strong hire. in any direction. It's not a sexy hire. I think it's a really good hire. Yeah. I mean, if, if it is the case, if he, for anybody, really Brian Kelly, wasn't a sexy hire for Notre Dame a couple years ago. Uh, he had just come off of a Cincy undefeated season. There were a lot of Notre Dame fans who didn't find that sexy enough. Charlie Weiss was a much sexier hire because of where he came from and the backstory with Tom Brady. Brian Kelly didn't have any of that. He just was a winning coach. And there were a lot of Irish fans at the time who weren't turned on by Brian Kelly. Now, if you had to ask them right in, in hindsight, obviously the, the answer would be a little bit different. So I think Jim McElwain maybe has a little bit of a, a of that flair to him. He's certainly a good coach and I think he'd do well at Florida. But he's not he's not like Urban Meyer when they got him from the Mountain West a couple years ago. Even then, that was like, oh, that's a good hire. I, I feel like flashy, sexy hires are overrated. As they you are. said, oh, Charlie Weiss thing was like flashy. It was like, and now guess what happened? It's, yeah. you know, you have Nick Saban was certainly a flashy, sexy hire at Alabama. Mark Helfridge was not at Oregon. I'm just looking at the rankings right now. TCU and Gary Patterson certainly was not because they were a Mountain West team. and just they didn't have the profile. Uh, Jimbo was a coach in waiting. So there was no big like, hey, we're Florida State. Let's go after Vince Lombardi kind of thing. Remember like, when uh, Nebraska hired uh, Bill Callahan? Yes. Oh, he's from the Raiders. He's he's NFL. He went, guy. To, he went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. That didn't work out. NFL splash hires don't really tend to work out. You know, the Nick Saban thing was he just realized he wasn't an NFL coach after being okay with the Dolphins. Um, Rich Rodriguez, I felt like for the context of it being Arizona and a school without real tradition, getting this guy probably buying low. And it's been very clear that they bought low on him after he just won coach of the year in the Pac-12. I feel like that was a splash that worked out, but it was a a timing thing that really worked out well. it's, It's so many variables that go into it it's difficult yeah. to art Bryles was a progression thing he succeeded at houston he moved on to baylor that was really good what about tim beckman you forgot about tim beckman who's coming back yeah <laughs> in 2015 sir <laughs> and then and then dan mullen was a nice hire at mississippi state after some really down years with sylvester yeah. Croom, but nothing like wow look who went to starkville i was like oh cool yeah that yeah. makes sense will muschamp yes former coach at Florida reportedly has offers from both Auburn and A&M to be defensive coordinator. We knew he'd land on his feet that he'd get a big defensive coordinator job somewhere. It makes yeah. a lot of sense for both Auburn and A&M. Dan, if you're Will Muschamp, which of those two do you go to? Uh, it's a good question. If it's because we don't know what he's offered monetarily. Yeah. And first of all, by, by saying offered, it's reportedly reportedly. Offered. Offered, there's there's not, me. there hasn't been announcements from this. Okay. School, so, so let's say hypothetically interest, serious interest, hypothetically speaking, hypothetically. Will Muschamp has an offer from both Auburn, both A&M on the table, same dollar figure, which of those two entices you a little bit more. If we're to assume that he has designs on being a head coach again at a major school, it certainly appears that he could ascend to head coach at Texas A&M easier if we're to believe the type of NFL interest that may occur once Kevin Sumlin's contract makes him a little bit more available. So Texas A&M, the fertile recruiting ground, he was at he was obviously at Auburn and at the University of Texas, so he has experience recruiting to both areas. I would say Texas A&M at, A&M at this point provides him a better chance to ascend to head coach. God, Will Muschamp coaching Texas A&M. Oh, that would be great. Um, I feel like Gus Malzahn is probably more entrenched 
at Auburn and you can probably do more at Texas A&M to, um, to further your own cause as a head coach, as you know, there are, there are a number of schools in the area. Let's say, you know, there, there are all sorts of big 12 schools. All of a sudden will Muschamp becomes this defensive mastermind again. And you know, seeds that, you know, he's going to give the offense over to some genius, you know, 31 year old, whatever, at yep. say yep. Kansas or Oklahoma state or wherever. I feel like the opportunity is probably greater at Texas A&M for a long-term successful story. What, what position do you think Will Muschamp is playing? What position do you think he's riding in the swag copter? You think he's flying the ship? You think he's loading it with cargo? I feel like he's one of the cargo <laughs> guys. Yeah. He, I don't think he's on there. Um, I think he's helping out before he's got, he's got like the little earmuffs on and the little lightsabers directing the helicopter. I could see him also being surprisingly nervous up there. Like, what does that button do? What is, Oh, Oh God. What does that sound? You mentioned uh, financial trouble for Colorado state. Yeah. It would appear as if financial trouble has done in UAB. You may have sort seen of. the story yeah. that, uh, at least that's what the president is saying that financial troubles right. shut down UAB, depending where you look there. May or may not have been a squabble with uh, Bear Bryant's son involved yep. here. Regardless, UAB shut down. The football program will be no longer. And uh, a sad story for the Definitely. kids who played at UAB. Uh, mm-hmm. If you go online, you could find tons of of clips of UAB players just outraged and upset over the news. Uh, yeah. Not the kind of story you want to see, unfortunately, given the state of college football and uh, the financial state of college football for some lower tier teams this could become more of a reality moving forward it could just be that uab is the tip of the iceberg yeah it's it's much more i think than financial stuff there's there's a lot of politics and board of trustees and board of education stuff going on in alabama that really is is a mess uh it's it really is a shame and i hope it's a a cautionary tale to not just smaller schools there's there's a, a very certain bubble in college football and it's I'm not saying it's going to burst for large teams and large conferences. I think that the growth potential is pretty astronomical at this point as perhaps the playoff grows. But as we see strength of schedule become more and more important, it's going to hurt some teams in the playoff. It's going to help some teams. I feel like you're going to be seeing less small teams getting those, those huge paydays, getting uh, sort of funding for programs and athletic departments and other teams that they're used to. And I, I sincerely hope that business models can be adjusted and solidified to the point where they're not reliant on taking, not that UAB did this and that's not that this is the cause for that. I just hope business models and ways of, of sort of solidifying revenue are found sooner rather than later, especially for schools with tradition, with a a large fan base and enthusiastic fan base. Nobody wants to lose football, but it's that balancing act between to what extent should something that doesn't make money, if that's the case, be subsidized with, uh, with regard to higher education. It's a, it's a really challenging time. I'm, I hope I'm hoping for the best. And very finally, there are new playoff rankings. We're not going to spend too much time on this because we've already gone right. a little bit longer than we thought on the news. But uh, okay. Bama, Oregon, TCU and Florida State. That's yeah. your top four. They're followed by Ohio State, Baylor and Arizona. Seem to be a fair amount of surprise, depending on which Twitter feed you read last night. Mm-hmm. Disdain for the move to put TCU third. Florida State, meanwhile, the only undefeated team in football bowl subdivision, mm-hmm. ends up fourth. 
There was a lot of talk on the selection special or whatever you want to call it. I did watch it last night because I was sick. Aww. I broke my own streak. I felt horrible sick, about sick it. Sick in the head or physically ill? I wasn't sick in the head okay. until after I watched Good. the, I'm going to call it the selection special because sure. that's just what it feels like. Next week, it'll be the selection Sell special. Special. Any problem with Florida State at four? Not really. Actually, that might be a better thing for Florida State because that would, I think, put them in the Sugar Bowl and closer to home, wouldn't it? It would put them in the Sugar Bowl, but it would put them against Alabama, which is probably not the ideal matchup. A lot of Florida State people, I was talking to our friend Bud Elliott about this, prefer to perhaps go to the Rose Bowl against Oregon and have a month to prepare for that tempo and style of offense rather than maybe a week against that if they were to play them in the national championship. So that was one one line of thinking. As for Florida State at four, it's certainly not a a referendum on how great TCU is or is not. And even though they looked very good against Texas, I really feel like it is like you guys are not playing like a top three team, whatever that hazy standard is there. Florida state has been sloppy enough for the majority of their weird game. I mean, it's some of their better games that they've been sloppy against certainly Notre Dame and Louisville uh, and Clemson. But at this point that the three teams ahead of them have distanced themselves from the teams on their schedule within the context of somewhat impressive schedules, whereas Florida state has not. Um, and a conspiracy theory, and I don't know if you lend any credence to this, this was our, our friend, Nicole Auerbach told me one of her, her Twitter followers broached this. If there is a Baylor TCU argument, which there certainly is, there is, yeah. Or if there's an Ohio State, should they go because of an injured quarterback star and having to deal with a third stringer now? How do you jump Ohio State? How do you jump Baylor over Florida State at four? Yeah. They're like so rock solid because they're undefeated where you move TCU ahead of them and they're no longer in the argument as much. It's interesting. It's interesting to think about. It's an interesting topic, but the point is this. If Florida State beats Georgia Tech this week, they jump to three. TCU slides down to four. Right. Then, That's true. Then if Baylor beats K-State, all of this conversation could be moot because they could move Baylor ahead of TCU. They now, could. if you listen to Jeff Long tell it last night, again on the selection special, they seem pretty smitten with TCU. Yeah, if TCU is the third best team in the country and they comfortably beat Iowa State... How do you say they're not the third best team anymore? You can't move them down because of that. There's no there's no logic path you can walk down that's going to take you to TCU at number five. But, but, if, but if the case is that Baylor kills Kansas State, a top 10 team, then when you compare resumes and head to head and how they've performed yeah. and who they've scheduled in the out of conference, then it's it becomes more complicated. But in a vacuum, TCU is the third best team after having played all of the best games on their schedule. It's a, I don't know. I mean, I literally don't know. I, I, I have been on Twitter saying, I mean, we'll talk more about this, but like there's a case to be made for all of these teams. There's a case made for Arizona. If they beat Oregon twice away from home, Eight team playoff, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what major sport? Because make no mistake, college football is a major sport has a four team playoff at this point. I think baseball had four teams in what? 92. Yep. And then moved on from it. And so, now they've got like 15 teams. In yeah, it, now so. there are 19 wildcard teams. All right. Well, we've got a new sponsor this evening before we get to the picks of the week Ooh. for conference championship week. Our show this evening is sponsored in part by Bombas. Ooh. You ever hear of Bombas? Is it Bombas or Bombas? Or I Bombas. think it's both considering our Bombas. Our Bombas. 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 They are athletic 
Leisure Socks. They are re-engineered to look better, feel better, perform better. Nice. And they've got a mission on top of all that, of course, in this month, applicable to mention that they have a mission to help others in need. Mm -hmm. Did you know, Daniel? I didn't know this. Socks are the number one most requested clothing item at homeless shelters. Bombus was founded to help solve that problem. Every pair purchased equals one pair donated. That's fantastic. Since 2013, they've donated more than 150,000 pairs of socks to those in need. One of my central life tenets, and I don't, I've probably told you this at some point, but I've, I've certainly told anybody who will listen. You are only as comfortable as a human as your feet are. Bombus is uh, big on not only producing comfortable socks, but also donating and giving back. They've got a donation sock specifically, which meets the needs of people on the street. They're exactly like the Bombas socks you could buy at Bombas.com, but they've got an antimicrobial treatment, reinforced seams, darker colors, all sorts of good stuff. They spent two years on research and development prior to launch to come up with seven substantial improvements to the athletic sock. And these are the socks that you now can go out to Bombas.com slash verbal and buy. They've got a whole list of bullet points here. I've got three of them for you. Stay up technology, it's called. They stay up. They're not too tight. They don't slip down. They tested 133 different tension levels to arrive at the perfect feel. They've got a honeycomb support system. Mm. Did you know that the honeycomb is naturally strong? The bees use it. It must be strong. You get extra support and tightness in the arch where it helps you the most on your feet. And finally, how could we not mention that they're using long staple Pima cotton in these socks? Ty, you're being silly now. How did you forget? They are the most comfortable socks you'll ever wear. It starts with the most comfortable sock fabric known to mankind, the long staple Pima cotton, which is warmer in the winter and cool in the summer. So after all that, Mm. if you are interested in buying Bomba socks, the special deal is a free pair of socks. Visit Bombas.com slash verbal today. Bombas.com slash verbal. B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash verbal. You'll get a free pair. Get that honeycomb, son. You'll get a free pair. Bombas.com slash verbal. You'll get a free pair of socks. Done. All right. Let's get to our games. Dan, time, help. I need picks of the week. All right. It all comes down to this, Dan. Oh, you're giving yourself a boost of energy. I like it. Pac-12 championship game at Levi's Stadium. Yes. What do they call this place again? I think it's Levi's Stadium. You know what I like about starting with the Friday night game? Friday Night Lights. Maybe somebody will be listening to this on Saturday and they will almost assuredly saying, oh, this is hilarious. Dan and Ty are so wrong. <laughs> they were so wrong. Um, I, uh, I'm i excited for this one. 9 p.m. on Friday on Fox. Yes. Oregon, 14 and a half point favorite against Arizona. The Wildcats, you might remember, beat the Ducks in Autzen Stadium back on October 2nd. The final score was 31-24 at the time, Daniel, was the biggest upset of the season. Mm-hmm. Now, here we are again, week 15. If Oregon wins, they're in the playoff. Yep. If Arizona wins and maybe everyone else loses, perhaps they've got a shot. They don't even need everybody, I don't think. Man, a couple lose. teams. Well, one of them will have to lose if they beat them. Yeah. <laughs> they win. Yeah. So what happened the first time is probably a, a good place to start. If you go back and look at that game, Dan, you can elaborate yeah. on this a little bit more. Sure. Oregon only stopped 
one Arizona drive in the second half. The other four went for touchdowns. So obviously mm-hmm. there was a bit of a defensive lapse there. Also, Oregon was uncharacteristically bad on third downs. They had a bad yes. penalty that set up Arizona for a late touchdown. But by and large, this was a pretty close game. It wasn't like Oregon just outright gave this one away, Dan. Oregon has struggled, and it, a lot of people point to the offensive line struggles and, and the injuries this year in Eugene. Marcus Mariota on on drops would you know take his drop, would step into a throw, and he just wasn't finding people. He wasn't accurate. He it, even though his stats say that he was ha- he had a decent enough game, it wasn't all on the offensive line and. I think it might be a three, three, five issue that Oregon has. Arizona has the best linebacker in the country and Scooby, right? And it may not be close. And when you have guys like that, who are not necessarily touted, but are developed and productive to that extent, Arizona is a dangerous team. I don't think a new Solomon is going to run in the same way that he did against Oregon the first time they played this year. But Nick Wilson has certainly gotten healthier and has, has posed a huge threat to everybody that Arizona has played. Right. I think Arizona covers the spread here. I think it's very difficult for a team uh, that has been playing at the clip of Oregon. These, this, I guess the, since the game happened in October, they've been great. I think, and I don't know if it's a play calling shift on, on either side of the ball, whatever it is, Oregon has certainly risen to the occasion uh, every week. Um, It's, it seems so hard for a team to beat Oregon three times in two years. We right. saw Oregon had a Stanford problem until they didn't. I think Oregon wins this game 34 to 24 and are able to turn over a new Solomon once or twice. And I think Nick Wilson has a nice, a really, really good first half and they shut him down in the second half. I think Oregon wins this game by 10, but Arizona covers. All right. Yeah. I'm kind of going in the same direction and you're right. Oregon's looked ironclad. Yeah. Since that Arizona, you were really game. hoping for a civil war <laughs> close game. Well, a little bit, just to make <laughs> yeah. things interesting. I'm not rooting sure. openly no, against Oregon, at least not that much. Right, but they've looked really good since the Arizona game. They won their last seven games mm-hmm. by an average margin of 24 points. Yep, I do think it's worth considering. Yeah, and you're right to say that it's difficult to beat Oregon three times in a row in two years. Yeah, but Rich Rod's won the last two. Oh yeah, he's the better head coach here. We should at least explore that potential, that possibility that Rich Rod has something at Oregon. Oh, figured yeah. Out. He created he helped to create the system that Oregon's running. Yes. He helped create he, the system. Right. So he's he's a very good coach. And we know there's a lot on the line here. I am going to side with you. I'm going to side with Arizona because the the what are they? The Wildcats. Yes. Yes. They can score points more than anything. I just don't trust the Oregon defense to create and maintain 14 and a half points worth of separation. Defense has been quite good this past few weeks. I still don't trust the defense. Okay. So I'm saying shootout. I'm saying Oregon wins a wild one, maybe the best game of the weekend, 45 35. That works. Yeah. Let's go to Saturday, shall we? Let's. I don't know how many options we have Friday night that are of, of worth noting. Is, are there any other games Friday night? I don't think so. No. Okay. Continue. SEC, the championship. <laughs> that came out funny. I'm sorry. I'm sick. That's okay. And by the way, Northern Illinois Bowling Green and the MAC Championship also is Friday nights. And I'm going Bowling Green because I have a Bowling Green shirt. Continue. I'll go Northern Illinois. Fair. The Huskies. Uh, SEC Championship, Georgia Dome, 4 p.m. on CBS, Alabama, a 14 mm-hmm. and a half point favorite over the Tigers here. Yes. Um, so 
this is Missouri's second straight SEC championship game, which, you know, um, Alabama's certainly been to like three or four straight, right? Yeah. Oh, of course. No, right? One straight Bama <laughs> says a lot about the old big 12 and uh, maybe even more about the current SEC East that it's Missouri again, but 10 and two on the season, mm-hmm. two bad losses, both at home, one yep. by four to Indiana, the other by 34 to Georgia. Yep. Fun fact, though. Fun fact. Bama has not been a world beater away from Tuscaloosa. No, not at all. They beat West Virginia by 10 in the George Dome to start out the year. Mm-hmm. Lost by six at Ole Miss, won by one at Arkansas, won by 14 at Tennessee. OK, but needed overtime to win at LSU. Uh, you know, I'm looking at this and I, it it makes me a little nervous, Dan. Talk to me. What are you feeling here? How much better is LSU than or how much better is yeah LSU than Missouri? I, I would say not at all. I was going to say, I don't know if they are right. And Missouri, if I, mean, I think that their sensibility is not unlike LSU, LSU is a more talented team, probably by a wide margin, but Missouri can play defense, especially up front really well without a ton of help. You know, they don't need safety help to come up against the run. Generally uh, Shane Ray and Marcus Golden are as, as good, if not better than every single defensive end duo in the country. And with a basic tenet, the game is not in Tuscaloosa, as you mentioned, with the basic tenet of we have a great front seven on defense. We have two good running backs in Hansborough and um, Marcus Murphy. Quarterback has the potential to play above average, but is probably his ceiling against a defense as good as Alabama's is probably just average and clean. If, if Maddie Mock can hit average and clean, much in the same way that any of us living day to day, if we could just be average and clean, that's kind of a win. That's all you need. Um, that's all you need. So I really, I have questions. It's one of those things where against a team as good as Alabama or even against a team as good as Florida State, if you are given the ball down four with 93 seconds left, with two and a half minutes left, uh, am I at all confident in you being able to drive the ball down the field? And I, I like Missouri's receivers and hunt and Sasser, but on the level that Alabama is, even though the secondary is not amazing, I'm going to take the points again, just defense wow. and running in a neutral spot. I think it's actually a relatively low scoring game. This defense is that good. I'm going to say 21, 13 Bama. Wow. That's a close game. Again, huh. Lane Kiffin against a very good defense. All right. I, yeah. Auburn did not have, does not have a very good no, defense. No, no, they don't so actually. You know. Surprisingly, yeah. no. I mean, I see where you're coming from. I guess. Marcus Golden is that good. I know. Please understand. Oh, I do understand. I just. And you can like Bama more. That's fine. If Missouri could throw oh. more consistently, I'd feel so much better about that pick. But yeah. that's kind of not who Missouri is. That's not their identity, right? That's, that's just yeah. not what they are. They're. They want to run the ball. They want to turn you over on defense. That's kind of their blueprint. Yeah. And that's going to have to be the blueprint against an Alabama offense that really is on fire right now. They had 55 last week. Right. Um, you know, you could go back through. There have been spots here and there, but they're really balanced. And they've got a lot of firepower. If last week was any indication, they're they're firing on all cylinders. And Amari Cooper cannot mm-hmm. be stopped by humans, which I believe was a comment on our last show. Yeah. Lane Kiffin also. um. I don't know against a good Lane defense. Kiffin. He's been pretty good for the most part. Can we yeah, say that made, here? 
he made a very nice adjustment with uh, with Blake Sims at the half where Auburn yeah. was jumping a lot of the short stuff, a lot of the, the quick outs, a lot of the quick slants. And that's when he decided to really test Auburn over the top. It was a really smart adjustment from Lane Kiffin. Yeah, I, he's been pretty good. Auburn or excuse me, Missouri will have safeties back. They will be able to, to press and play Alabama's receivers uh, as good as they are um, in impressive ways all over the field. Alabama certain there's nobody that can guard. I think Amari Cooper no, and no one's football guard. for four full quarters. But if there's any defense in the SEC that can contain a potent offense and adjust to adjustments, it might be Missouri's. Well, Laney's been half decent and he's seeing the moves before they happen. As we saw last week. Yes. Um, I, I can't pick against that. I, I think Missouri does create problems for Bama. I think they're going to pressure and they're going to turn over Blake Sims. I think they can hang around, but I think they'll pull away late because there isn't enough offense for Missouri to keep it within 14 and a half. So let's say Bama again pulls away late in the second half. I'll go 31, 14. Fair. So 10 more points than yeah, I thought. Okay. Somewhere in that range. Yeah. Let's move to 8 p.m. on ABC. It's Florida State in the ACC championship. This one's in yes. Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium. The Knolls are a four and a half point favorite now mm-hmm. against uh, Georgia Tech. As we discussed earlier, they are 12 and 0. Florida State is. Yeah. They've won 28 straight. That dates all the way back to November 2012. And if I saw correctly this week, that streak started with a win over Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. This year, nobody can agree on whether Florida State's winning because they're lucky. Right. Or winning in spite of being sloppy. Or, I don't know, shaving points for James's one buddy back home, whatever. The only thing I think that most fans could truly agree on is that there is disdain for Florida State. Sure. And that they're Darth Vader. Yeah. They're the villain, you know. A lot of people like dressing up as Darth Vader, though. This is true. And you're either with you're either with them or against them. And I like that dynamic. Because as you referenced earlier, I usually cheer for Darth Vader in most (laughs) sports. Sure. It wasn't all that long ago that like Notre Dame was kind of Darth Vader or that the Yankees were Darth Vader. I liked Duke basketball at one point. Okay. They were, they're always Darth Vader. True. Some are right with Darth Vader's in sports. I think it's. I'm now picturing Darth Vader taking a dumb charge, (laughs) slapping the floor, just falling down. Come at me. Come at me. I'm okay with that dynamic. I'm not rooting openly against Florida state here. Right. When I say that I think Georgia Tech's going to win this game outright. Uh, we got a, We got an angry Georgia Tech. Well, not an angry, a frustrated Georgia Tech fan email because yeah. you you had called their offense quirky and unusual. It is when, quirky and unusual. I don't think it. Well, no, it's. I don't think it's quirky. It's like the original college football offense. All right, it's, it's not quirky. It's the most classic offense there is in college football. Fair um, point. But how many teams run that classic offense? Oh, I would say it's. Yeah, I would say it's more unique and rare. Um, okay, but well, at then the same time, it's a matter of semantics, but you're right. Fine. Sure. I'll, I'll call it that. If Dominance. that makes if that makes Georgia Tech fan feel better. Right. That's fine. But it's not like 18 other teams are running this. There's like Correct. five teams running this offense. So, right. Yeah, it's got a little bit of a nuance to it. Yeah, it's more difficult to prepare for, if only because you've got like one week to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. And I know Florida State said that they scheduled the Citadel to prepare in case it met Georgia Tech. Georgia right. Tech's a much better team, mind yes. you. But um, no, it's there's a little bit of a quirk to it, if only because maybe it's classic, but there are many teams that run it. It's unusual. No, it certainly is unusual at the, in 2014. So what what is your big 
overarching reason why you like Georgia Tech in this game? Well, I look, there's only there's only two ways you can go with this, right? Either Florida State wins by 28 mm-hmm. or Georgia Tech wins by like four. And I don't see okay. any middle ground. Florida State wins big if they can force a bunch of three and outs and prevent Tech from controlling the ball because right. that's what Tech wants to do. I think this gets interesting if Georgia Tech can turn Florida State over, because if they can do that and if they can play their ball control offense, mm-hmm. that gives Florida State fewer opportunities to go down, march the field, drive the football and score. If they can control this game for 35, 37 minutes, right, because the defense is a bit of a liability, that gives them a pretty good chance at maybe pulling the upset here and winning this one really closely, like 28, 27. So from my standpoint, Florida state's just been playing with fire Correct. all season long, still a very good football team, but it's a different offense. It's the kind of offense that can really, you guessed it, take the air out of the ball, <laughs> kill your momentum. If you've established any, right. And Florida state's going to have pressure on them offensively to make plays when they have the football. I don't feel like this is a game they can start out slowly, Dan. Right. I think they need to jump on Georgia Tech. I feel like if you don't score early, if you don't build that lead, Georgia Tech's kind of the team that can hang around and maybe jump up and snipe you late. So uh-huh. I'm going to go Georgia Tech 28-27. I'm going to follow my gut. See, I think it's entirely possible that Florida State wins this game by five. Um, okay. And the reason being is Georgia Tech, I think they lead. They certainly lead the ACC. I think they're probably a top five team in time of possession in the country. So yeah, they're third in the nation. For Florida State to really run away with this game, it would mean that like pick sixes all over the place. And George Tech's just not going to give them the opportunity to do that. That's just the the, the attempts, the sheer number of attempts is not going to be there. So if Georgia Tech is able to possess the game and then you think to yourself, well, if Georgia Tech has a bunch of three and outs, like you said, that would make sense where Florida State would jump on them. Except who's the number one team on third down in the country? Georgia Tech. Yeah. They're converting almost 60% of their third downs. And I think we would both agree, uh, having been college football fans for at least a good chunk of time, there are certainly older people in this world. Um, the single most frustrating thing to watch in a college football game when your team is on defense, oh, we, we, we stopped them on first and second down, third and eight. That's terrific. Nine-yard run. Yeah. Nine-yard out pattern. Yeah. 11-yard. Like, that is what Georgia Tech can do, especially on the ground, obviously. With the short week, I, I like Florida State to cover here, but I think it's going to be probably their biggest challenge of their season. I think they're going to need to come back. Uh, and it's it's the same question that I, I posed earlier is, can Georgia Tech win this game down for minute 53, two timeouts and 77 yards? I just... I don't see that. I'm not no. super confident. And... No. I would I would be happy to be proven wrong because watching Georgia Tech this season has been amazing. And, you know, watching a team creatively frustrate a more talented team is one of the fun things, even if it's Florida State, if it's Oregon, if it's USC, if it's Ohio State, whatever. Uh, you root for the underdog. You want to see the underdog. There's a, there's a number of things about this Florida State team that aren't that fun. I would say at the top of that list, the fact that they've played down to so many teams and haven't exerted their will earlier on in games. Um but uh, I'm taking the Knolls here and we're talking about them Knolls. I think they win this game and go to the playoff. I think the blueprint here for Georgia Tech is the Boston College game. Definitely. I, I think that's a, a pretty Just don't good abandon like Boston College did the run. 
exactly. Boston College held the ball in that game for 33 minutes. They lost at the gun. So if Tech can get to 35, 37. Yeah. Hope for rain, too. Like hope for what rain. What was happening in the Boston College game, yeah. Ugly it up. Their best defense is going to be keeping Florida State's offense off the field for as long as humanly possible because I just yeah. don't trust their defense. So 28-27. Uh, mm. uh, Big Ten Championship. Lucas Oil Stadium, Indianapolis, Indiana. This game starts at the curious time of 817. Mm, very Big Ten time. It's on Fox, Wisconsin, now a four-point favorite over Ohio State. Yeah. And our good friend Chris the Capper would like to weigh in. Let's have a listen. Hey guys, Chris the Capper back here. Lost last week. That brings us to ten and seven on the year. For this week, let's take Ohio State plus four and a half in the Big Ten title against Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, obviously JT Barrett's out, uh, but I have to ask, you know, Ohio State would have been favored by, what, at least a touchdown going in this game if Barrett was was, was healthy. Um, I'm not sure that injury in urban system, uh, you know, is worth, you know, 11, 12 points. Uh, Wisconsin, you know, they seem to be the flavor of the month the last couple games. Alvin Gordon's obviously quite a talent, but who has Wisconsin really beaten? Okay, Minnesota at home, they struggled. Iowa, you know, at Iowa, they struggled with. Sure, they beat the pants off Nebraska, but they seem to beat the pants off Nebraska every season. Uh, Purdue, Rutgers, Maryland, Illinois, and they lost to Northwestern. Um, I don't know. I think Ohio State, you know, even though without Barrett, they had proven to be able to go on the road, beat a really good Michigan State team, went on the road, took care of Penn State in a, in a road night game. Um, you know, I think Urban's going to have these guys prepared and ready to go, and I'm just not sold on Wisconsin, uh, you know, close to a top-10 team. Um, even though they rattled off, uh, looks like seven games in a row. Uh, another little fun fact, Ohio State has won every meeting against Wisconsin except once since 2007, uh, and Wisconsin's only covered one game since 2007 as well. So that would be one, two, that's five, one, and one. Ohio State is against the spread uh, against Wisconsin last seven seven games. So let's take Ohio State to win this one outright, 28-24. Uh, to 24. All right, so he's going Ohio State outright, 28-24. Wow. Dan, I almost think in a game like this, and I, you know, I could be wrong. I think you need to throw the records out the window. We got to get to throw the records out. I know we do. And just like played in week three next year. <laughs> like, yeah, Ohio state's two and oh, but you know what? The fact that I don't know who, who they'll play in the week three, the fact that Cincinnati is one and one ignore it, throw the records, throw the out, records the window. out the window. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you throw them out the window because the JT Barrett thing, the injury, it's mm -hmm. a huge bummer. I think it makes picking this game really difficult. Urban Meyer, of course, was quick to point out that Cardale Jones at one point or another was actually the number two Maybe behind was. Braxton Miller. Except that he got more reps, perhaps, than JT Barrett. Yeah, he's a big dude. Six, five, mm -hmm. 250, more of a pocket thrower. Yeah. Uh, also a blue chipper on Twitter. Quote, why should I have to go to class if we came here to play football? We ain't come to play school. Classes are pointless. I couldn't agree more, big man. That young man will have his work cut out for him against a really strong Wisconsin defense, Dan. If I'm going to be consistent with how I'm picking these games, the team that can run the ball and the team that can play defense better, and both quarterback situations aren't great. Joel Stave going against Cardell Jones, even with the experience that Stave has had this year. Hasn't been a great year for him in the passing game in general uh, for Wisconsin. We, we've seen an Ohio State quarterback struggle to grasp first team reps and starter reps and 
managing a game against a good defense early on this year, which AT Barrett going against Virginia tech, which finished the season, I think as like the number five defense in the country. If you were to believe more advanced metrics, which I think we both do. Um, the, the Ohio state talent factor aside, I don't think, I think I'm positive. Wisconsin has the better defense than Ohio state. Ohio state is going to be able to run the ball somewhat against this Wisconsin defense. If I'm just going to plainly trust a situation more, I just trust Wisconsin more. And the combination of Ohio state not being able to stop the run consistently and having to, to work in who has become their third string quarterback in on a stage like this, I just, I'm going to go with the safer, more sensical pick. And I'm going to say Wisconsin wins this game. 28, 17. Really? Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, this this is a hard one. Um, I think I am going to side with Chris here. I think I'm going to take the points. And you're right. Ohio State, new quarterback. That's a problem in the most important game of the season. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Wisconsin is good enough to run away and hide, though. Third string quarterback of the Big Ten championship. I know. I know. You're right. <laughs> it's a good point. I'm not, I'm not disputing that. I against a very, uh, this is a, this is a legitimately they're they're They've got a linebacking core that I don't think anybody expect to be playing at this level, Wisconsin. Right. And one thing I noticed when I went through and looked, we have these efficiency metrics that we reference all the time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't pair up with other stats like yards allowed per carry. And what else do we use? Um, uh, oppose opposing quarterback rankings, things like that. Right. They don't always add up. It's a lot of it's because it's opponent adjusted. Right. They don't always add up. Yeah. In this case, everything agrees that Wisconsin's really rock solid defensively. So there's a lot of credence behind that. This is a low scoring game. I say bet the under my inclinations to take Ohio State outright. If only because I've been all in on Ohio State since week five. And I'm, I'm sort of in denial still about the injury. So I say someone wins this game 20 to 17. I, don't I know. say somebody wins this game. So somebody wins this game for sure. And it's Can probably I give you an over under probably whichever team has the most points. 20 to 17 is my final score. So I'm going to take Ohio state. I'm going to give you an over under. Yeah. Total Melvin Gordon rushing yards. Ooh, 200 under under. Okay. Way under. Okay. I would set that at. Should we do another breakfast bet? Sure. 145 and a half. Okay, I'll happily take the over. You're going to go over, I'll go under. Okay. All right. God, I'm going to be eating so many huevos rancheros. <laughs> I won the first one, didn't I? Uh, yeah, I think I may have won the second, a lunch bet. There was some sort of over-under score, and I took the under. Let's move to the pseudo Big 12 yeah. championship. Yeah. In McLean Stadium in Waco, Texas. Mm-hmm. 745 on ESPN. Baylor is at home against K-State. Mm-hmm. They need to win this game. I did not see an opening line. I'm guessing that's because of some uncertainty regarding Bryce Petty's status. Bryce Petty claims that he will be playing in this game. You you saw an opening line at what, eight and a half? Yeah, I believe so. I can check on that. But yeah, it was somewhere if if we're going to assume a healthy Bryce Petty, I think that's what okay. um that's what we're going with. That makes sense. Baylor's hired a PR firm. Yeah, they have. To further its bid for a playoff spot. They need to because they're currently ranked sixth. Right. A communications group, Kevin Sullivan Communications, I believe, acknowledged that it was hired last week to run the campaign. Let me ask you this, Dan. Shouldn't the first rule be 
if you're running a PR campaign to get a team into the playoff, the first rule should be to not acknowledge you've been hired by said team yeah. to help them get into the playoff. Is that not bad PR in and of itself? It's not the best. I can see why there's a lot of paranoia and, you know, they want professionals to shift all attention away from September and towards the head to head win over TCU. And they feel like canvassing and whatever their whatever their strategy Going door to door. Sure. Um, I, I understand the reasons and Baylor certainly didn't schedule its, its schedule thinking that they were going to be on a national stage in December. And that's obviously uh, defensible with where Baylor has been before this Art Briles era. But um, as it pertains to this game, if Bryce Petty is playing and playing somewhere near the clip that we're used to, which it's been sort of an up and down year for him, but mostly up. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take the points just because I'm a believer in on some level of college football karma as Baylor erased Kansas state's dream season a few years ago with Colin yeah, that's Klein right. That's right. in Waco at the end of near the end of the year. That at was least. a big upset. I remember huge. Yeah. I remember watching that game on my phone. Lake Seastrunk is still running. <laughs> I was watching that game on my phone. Yeah. As I was at a, it was a birthday celebration for somebody. Mm-hmm. And um, I had watch ESPN or whatever on the right. phone watching that game, and just wow, what what a way to close out the year! I'm gonna need I'm gonna need Kansas State to run a little bit better than they did against West Virginia mm. if they're gonna cover. Yeah, because it was nothing. And look, it's the last game of the season. It's a top ten game. I know Kansas State has been a little bit wary about running Jake Waters. You know that that sort of pop option stuff that they've been running. You're, they're gonna run Jake Waters. <laughs> He's gonna have twenty plus carries in this game, and that's fine. Um. I think Kansas state does a good enough job keeping everybody in front of them that while Baylor will have times where they're going to get somebody free over the top, it will be relatively limited. The, the coaching staff is that good in Manhattan, in the little apple. I see 34, 30 Baylor. I think they win this game. I'm, I, you know, probably last week against Texas tech, it was a huge game for tech going against Baylor on the type of stage. It was last week, maybe a look ahead spot for Baylor with Kansas state on the schedule. I there's, there's a, a very real part of me that says Baylor fans are so angry about this top four business that, Oh, it's not going to matter because Kansas state beat them, which is sort of the way college football gods tend to work. Yeah. Um, but that's sort of a weird non reason I'm going to say, Kansas state receivers have a big day against the Baylor defense, but ultimately Bryce Petty wills this team forward. Shock Linwood in the running game wills this team forward. I think it might be even more running than passing here against Kansas state. Baylor wins by four 34, 30, 37, 33, somewhere in there. Daniel. Yeah, I agree. And especially if it's Seth Russell at quarterback for, for, uh, for Baylor, either way, take the points in my humble opinion. Bryce Petty coming off a mild concussion. No such thing. Mild concussion. Sure. Concussion's a concussion. Seth Russell coming in in a big game. Sure. Um, I'm taking the points here, too. I I trust in Bill Snyder. Maybe not to win this game outright. I still don't know if I have a strong feel on who's winning this game. Right. But uh, you're right. College football. God's work in mysterious ways. I will take the points. Whatever that final point total ends up being. Right. I will take it here. I do believe, mind you, one of these teams that we discussed, one of these higher ranked teams. So Bama, Florida State, Oregon, Ohio State, 
mm-hmm. maybe Baylor. One of these teams is going to lose this weekend. There will be a landscape shift at a certain certain part of the top four. There is no doubt about that. Okay. I've only got one other game I'm prepared to discuss. Mm. I'm so excited about this, Tyler. I was wondering if you could... Um, did you want me to request something? Can you, if you could, do, you, do I need a notary public? What do I need here to make this official request? Because I, at this moment on December 3rd, have a request of you, Ty Hildebrand. I hope you're not too sick to do it, but I'm going to need you to dig deep enough within your soul, within your very being to drop that big, yep. nasty, mm. stanky, yep. sticky, uh, dripping, sticky, supple, pert. This is weird. Erotic. Settle. Drop in five. Oh yeah. <laughs> we uh we've been riding Fordham for so long that it just feels right. And I think you've got a riding sound that would actually make sense with this drum and fife. Uh it's oh, Paul Revere riding yes. to the drum and fife. The Patriot League, obviously, we talk about conference strength, your SEC Wests as a division, your Pac-12 Souths, your Big Ten whatever's, your ACC. You want real football, you want man ball. Yeah. We're talking about that Pat League. We're talking about the foundation on which this country was discovered. The Patriots. The three-cornered hat. America, the three-cornered hat. Yeah. So, yes, Fordham did go down to the United States Army, but that was just in a dedication yeah. to their own patriotism. That's right. Um, that was good. Did you just come up with that on the fly? I, I did. That was, was great. Really, it was maybe the best thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Uh, Fordham gets the University of New Hampshire, which I do have a soft spot for. Um. But after dispatching, their dispatching of the Sacred Heart fight in Aortis yeah. last week, how do you not ride with the Rams? It's tough not to. I'm going to kill the how music do you here. Kill the music. It's New Hampshire, obviously. The the sort of the ghost of Ricky Santos. is It looms large over this game. And I don't believe Ricky Santos has passed away. But his, his legacy yeah. looms large over this game. Um I'm going to go Fordham. I'm going to go Fordham by 10. Whoa. Double ditch. Double ditch. Do you have a spread for me? Nine and a half is actually the real spread on this game. New Hampshire's favored by nine and a half. Yes. You know what you have to do with this, with the FCS playoffs, Ty? <sighs> I almost feel like you, well, I'm not sure. You got to throw the records. You got to throw the spread out the window. Yeah. How do you set spreads in these games? I have no idea. So look, this game is actually on. You can watch it on ESPN three. Yeah. It's at one o'clock on Saturday. Chromecast it to your TV, which which is right. It's a perfect time. There aren't any other really big games on mm-hmm. at that time. So you can join us in watching New Hampshire. The Wildcats are the top seed in this tournament. You're not going to believe this, but I've done an exorbitant amount of research on this game. <laughs> OK, I'm excited. Since 2007, they're 39 and four at home. The official title for the stadium is Cowell Stadium, but us FCS folk know that as the dungeon. It's like a Obviously. modern day obvious house of pain it will take a special team of warriors daniel Mm -hmm. warriors i say Mm. to go into an environment like this and just walk away with a victory that's true what if i told you that i know a team with 17 seniors including Uh including now two-time defending patriot league offensive player of the year mike niebrick everybody knows him what if i told you I actually, I didn't even realize this. I'm wearing my knee brick jersey as we speak. Boom. What if I told you I know a team with Pat League Rookie of the Year Chase Edmonds at running back? What? I Surely they could not be on the same squad. What An if, embarrassment of riches. What if I told you that that same team 
has three of their offensive linemen and three of their defenders on the all Patriot League team as well. Next, next thing you're going to tell me is there a top three FCS team through the air? <laughs> is that what you're going to tell me? Here's what I'm feeling here, Dan. Uh-oh. Shootout written all over it. Say it ain't so. Fordham goes to the dungeon. They rid themselves of the shackles. They shocked mm. the world 37-34. The Rams went on the road. 37-34. It's, it's the year of the Ram. How the hell are you going to shackle a Ram, man? Please. Please. Come in, on, in a dog. shootout, how are you going against a Patriot? Come on, who's bro. won a war for this independence. Ram, yo. For freedom. For the American way. Play it one more time. I'm getting fired up over here. That's great. That's great. Yeah, we're all enough. And you know what? Shout out to Verballer. What's his name? Steven Adler. Yeah. Is that what it is? Who's, I guess, all in. He might be a, a UNH. What are they? The, they're not Wild the Wildcats. That's Maine. They're the Wildcats. They're the Wildcats, yeah. It's so boring. That's so boring. Uh, you, you find a ram in the middle of the street. You're, you're not walking away. No, it's just, just not. Just and attack. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to go. Yeah. Ten point, ten point win for the Rams. Wow. OK, do not not for me, not for you, not even for Buffalo Chicken for America, for the United States of America. All right, Dan. Well, that just about does it. Unless yeah. there's anything else you'd like to add here on the solid verbal again, it's solid verbal at gmail dot com. 408 Verbal 1. That's 408-837-2251. That's the phone number. Find us on Facebook on FanCred. And of course, uh, on the Twitter sphere, Dan. Yes. Would we like to ride with anyone this evening? Well, first of all, you know who we ride with. We ride with Brandon McKissick. Everybody knows that. This is true. Possibly the most equine of Verballer references. Right. Uh, Brandon McKissick. Um, no, I want to I want to thank everybody for listening. It's not just the people that tweet us, but you know what? If you happen to like this show, if you happen to want to share it with your friends, not only can you tweet it, can you Facebook it? Can you send somebody an email, whatever, drop the link in there. And if you include the at solid verbal on either Facebook or Twitter, we will see it. And it makes you eligible to win a t-shirt, a t-shirt free. So it's a, it's a win-win. It really is. So, uh, thank you to everybody. All right. Well, again, don't forget to check out bombas.com that's b-o-m-b-a-s.com slash verbal head on out there get your free pair of socks yes good socks fun socks yeah your number one piece of apparel that's right for that guy over there mr dan rubenstein in beautiful yeah. new york city for myself ty hildenbrandt here in good old eastern pa thanks again for tuning into the solid verbal do call the reverb line enjoy conference championship week and we will be back with all y'all to discuss the official playoff rankings the official playoff schedule mm -hmm. come sunday evening enjoy your weekend stay still peace